0: back to this episode of puck university i'm tim williams your host joined once again by chris lynch we're going to go over last week in college hockey preview a little bit of this weekend and we're going to really get into part two of our beanpot preview talking about the beanpot final especially because it's between boston university and northeastern so we'll talk about last Monday and the coming Monday as well. But first we're gonna get through the the rest of the country because this is a this is a national college hockey podcast and other things happen beyond the bean pot. Chris uh Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com, dot com. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. I'm uh Sad that the Patriots lost. Otherwise, college hockey has given me endless amounts of entertainment, so I'm not going to complain too much.
0: The best thing about being a fan of a beanpot school, by the way, and we'll get into this a lot later, is what's a Super Bowl hangover? No matter whether the Super Bowl went well or poorly for you, one of the best parts of rooting for a beanpot team is – there's something big that goes on the next day. You don't really get time to, you know, you don't have to sulk in it that long.
1: Yeah, it's a nice thing that, uh, and also it's one of the grand traditions in grand tournaments. So uh, it helps that you don't get to linger on it too long afterwards. Plus, sleepless nights. We'll talk about that later on. But the rest of the nation, boy, they're providing some entertainment for us all.
0: Yeah, it was a big weekend for the entire country, really. And in the ECAC, where we'll start, it was a bit of a surprise weekend. On Saturday, Rensselaer went into Cornell and won 2-1, while Clarkson went down to Princeton and lost 4-3. to three. So the number one and number three teams in the nation coming into the weekend lost on Saturday to opponents that, on paper, they should have taken care of.
1: Yeah, especially that matchup against Rensselaer, who, in part, they had one of the worst starts in the history of the program, in part, and this is based off of words from uh, some guys I know who cover the ECAC regularly, there was a stretch when Rensselaer was skating eight forwards in the first stretch of the year, and they were playing a lot of guys, a lot of men, that they just plain couldn't handle. So, I mean, it's one of those games in which any team can win. And Matt Galata, who we've praised uh, heaped he, praise upon, upon him, he only gave up two goals. He faced 26 shots. I mean, that's pretty good. But when Lyndon Marshall, the goaltender for Rensselaer, is showing up and performing incredibly well, then you know there's not a lot that you can be uh, there's not a lot that you can be too angry about in this loss. You have a hot goaltender, and RPI pulled out a victory in a matchup that turns out upstate New York can, is really good at uh, hockey this year, even the schools that haven't been that great at hockey this year.
0: It was a similar story in Clarkson going down to Princeton and losing Clarkson outshot Princeton by a significant margin, but Ryan Furland stood on his head a bit, especially in the first period, making 14 first period saves and ended up being the difference in the game, uh, allowing three goals on 36 shots. So good game for Ryan Furland. And that put the And that put the Princeton Tigers on top.
1: And what's even more amazing about that game for Princeton, they committed seven penalties and served 30 minutes of penalty ice time. And they still somehow escaped a victory. That's Berlin showing up and being a high-quality netminder. Jake Kiley, who's been one of the other guys who's been an excellent goaltender in his own right this season in the ECAC and nationally. He was not that great. He didn't have a great game. He made 26 out of 30 possible saves. Not a tremendous performance. I mean, he did what he could, uh, but Furland really was the difference. And for a Princeton team that is a 500 hockey team, 10, 10, and 3, I was at the uh, Princeton game against Quinnipiac, and they have serious, serious speed with Ryan Kuffner and uh and Max Verano. They have real speed and they've had a potent offense pretty much all season. It's just been a question of whether or not they could get the goaltending for uh for any single year. So good on them for uh, for being a part of it and for being um and for being active with it. So it's this great time, and Clarkson will rebound. Clarkson will get their, uh, their act together for next week, and they'll be fine, but I wouldn't be too concerned about this game for, for the Golden Knights.
0: Going to be a quick turnaround for both of these teams because Cornell and Clarkson are going to be playing each other at Clarkson on Friday night. So that's one of the non-beanpot matchups of the week. The um, the Cornell Clarkson, that's going to be quite the game. And, of course, because of the way the ECAC schedules, it's not a home-and-home. Home, it's not a weekend series. They're just playing one game at a time. But still,
1: circle that game. It's 7 o'clock. I don't know if it's anywhere on television. Watch it on uh, – listen to it on radio. That's going to be – one of the premier games in the whole country. There's there's a couple others throughout uh, throughout the nation which are going to be the uh, the must-watchers. Namely, really the Big Ten, I think. But that uh, out East is before we get to uh, Monday's Beanpot. This is this is the Eastern Con, east, Eastern Coast game to watch
0: and touching on the Big 10 you mentioned they have a big weekend coming up they had a big weekend last weekend i think they just have a loaded schedule because so many good teams are in that small conference so it was ohio state that had the had the upset problem this weekend they split with michigan state losing on saturday at home 6 to 3
1: you know, in this case, I don't think we can say poor Sparty. You know, yeah. uh, Michigan State, they showed up, and they really earned their victory. So, good job. Uh, that That's well earned, and uh, that's a remarkable job by them. But this is a problem for them of that 6-3 game. They got in a shootout, and they couldn't keep pace. They're a defensive-minded team of limiting, limiting goals depending on uh, – on their back check and on their goaltending. And when the game switched styles completely, they just weren't able to keep up with it. So you wonder if they'll be able to turn on the offense for the tournament or how they'll be able to handle if it turns into a track meet in the tournament.
0: That, that is going to be a problem. They have problems when they can't play at their own pace and, Well, lots of teams do. And that's, as we've said before, that's one of the things that separates the good teams and the great teams is how you can play when you're off your game and Ohio state does have trouble with that. They're going to, they're going to get all they can handle this next weekend because they're going to play Notre Dame who swept Penn state in that they won in a shootout on Saturday night. That's going to go down as a tie and a lot of, Ways, but in conference play, they get the extra point, winning the shootout. But Notre Dame five three on Friday, and then two two plus the shootout on Saturday, they get the sweep at Pagula, which has proven a tough place to play for a lot of teams.
1: It's a great arena. It's a great home ice advantage for the Nittany Lions and. What's amazing about that performance by Penn State? They got 57 shots on Notre Dame's net in that game, and Cale Morris was magnificent, saving 55 of them, including they shot. Notre Dame five nothing in overtime, and Cale Morris stonewalled them. So Morris, it's a three-person race for the Mike Richter Award this year between Morris. Um, Galeta, and Kylie, but Morris had had an amazing weekend in one of the most difficult places to play, and that's not to poo-poo the uh, the Notre Dame offense, because they got 34 shots on goal with Peyton Jones, really starting to look like a great goaltender in his own right, making 32 of 34 saves. So, Penn State, to their unending credit, is really starting to show up with uh, a lot of different styles, and Also, that Friday night game, which they lost 5-3, they got 51 shots on goal, and Cale Morris saved 48 of them, and Peyton Jones made 32 saves of his own on that night, so this was was a track meet weekend. If you love offensive, high-paced hockey, then I hope you were watching and enjoying the matchup between the Irish and the Nittany Lions, because you got exactly that this weekend.
0: And much the way we were just talking about with Ohio State struggling to play when they're in a track meet, when they're not at their slower pace. It goes to show how good Notre Dame is, that Penn State played the exact style that they like to play. They took a ton of shots on net throughout the weekend, and Notre Dame emerged with the points. They got the wins because they had great goaltending, and their offense took the opportunities they got to get the goals they needed and win these games. So it just shows Notre Dame is – they've been around the top of the country throughout the season, and they look as formidable as ever right now.
1: They're back on top of the polls in the Joe this week, and they should be. And Penn State took 108 shots on the weekend and lost both games. I mean, the second one, they lost the shootout, but they lost both games despite getting 108 shots on net across the two games. That's incredible. That might be the craziest stat of this year to this point. So just wow. And Penn State should also be a a worthwhile team to pay attention to when we get into the thick of the tournament. I think they will be a threat in the Big Ten. I think that... If they were to meet up with Notre Dame, they'd provide a crazy matchup and they'd be absolutely a team to watch in the tournament.
0: I'd agree with that. And especially the way Peyton Jones is playing, the way if Penn State can get out and get into a track meet and their goalie can keep the other offense at bay, that's going to be a tough team to play. And especially for schools that aren't used to running into someone who plays like a Penn State, which, unless you have Penn State on the schedule, is most of the country. So that's going to be, that's going to be tough for – they're a tough outcome tournament time. Moving over to the NCHC, the big matchup of the weekend was Denver and Minnesota-Duluth, and Denver just keeps on rolling with the sweep.
1: You know the pioneers are a really good team. They're they're defending national champions for a reason, and they won two different styles of games. The first one, a one to nothing shutout victory uh, against the bulldogs at home on Friday night. And the second one, a fourth three victory. So Denver can win in a lot of different ways. They can win depending on their goaltender. And in a low scoring game in which Duluth had a weird night because they had six shots the first period. They took one shot on goal in the entire second period. That's not a typo. They got one shot on goal the entire second period and 17 in the third period, and Tanner Gillette stopped all of them. He's proving himself to be a real money goaltender. He faced down all 17 shots in the final period and stopped all of them. And and then the next night, in a high-shooting, high-scoring kind of affair in which Denver got 44 shots compared to 35 of the of Duluth. They came up with uh with just enough goals to come out with the victory and Gillette came up with 32 saves on 35 shots. They can win a lot of different styles of hockey which is really the most dangerous of teams because they don't have to dictate things. They can play whatever you're matching up with and beat you at it.
0: In a way, it's almost a blessing in disguise that they had those mid-season hiccups where they started to drop a little bit in the polls and lose some games. Because I, I think a team's stronger when they find out what they're not good at and when they find out what they're like when they lose. And you don't want to find that out when it's too late and you're in the tournament and there's no margin for error. Denver found that out in january so they have plenty of time to work on it they look like they've already got past it and they're back to being national championship contenders i think they're the class of the of the entire nchc at this point
1: i mean that's i will i won't ever argue with that i don't think they ever dropped that far honestly i mean they currently stand atop the nchc st cloud is second. They do have two games in hand and a three point edge on uh on Saint Cloud, so that'll even itself out because Saint Cloud, North Dakota and Miami still have some games to make up, but uh this is one of those fun times of the year when things are gonna start shaping themselves up and won't be shocked to see Denver in uh Saint Paul competing for another national championship this year. They should be back there again
0: they have the week essentially off. They're not playing this weekend.
1: It's a needed rest. I mean, you need points where you're uh, grimy through the season and then you can actually breathe for a, about a second and just watch what everyone else is doing. So I'm sure that they're going to be in and watching tape on what everyone else in the, in the country is doing.
0: And then there's Minnesota State, and the WCHA continues their, their run toward the top. They're currently number five in the USCHO poll, and that even might be underrating how good the Mavericks have been. They're, they're having quite a season in Mankato. They swept Alaska Anchorage. They're going to be down in Huntsville taking on Alabama. Huntsville this weekend. And they just keep rolling.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is that time of the year when the WCHA's travel schedule is rearing its ugly head. Northern Michigan had that this weekend, and what's what's crazy for me about the way the Mavericks are going is that even with their wins, I mean, they're they've got two games in hand and are only one point behind Northern Michigan for first place in the WCHA, but. They're in second place in their own conference, and they're having an incredible run. In Northern Michigan, I think with the way the pairwise uh are set up right now, uh, I think – I'm looking to see where they are. Northern Michigan is currently 20th right now. I, I really do think Northern Michigan and Bowling Green are badly underrated, to say nothing of – at least the Mavericks – would make it into uh into the tournament regardless if they were to end up winning their conference's automatic bid which they should be in whether or not they win the WCHA but I really do think the, the whole conference is, uh isn't getting the shine it needs even though uh Northern Michigan split with uh Alabama in oh, over the last weekend which you know stuff happens but no oh, well stuff happens and Bowling Green is the third place team in that conference and they split with Michigan Tech. So I think they'll be knocked down a little bit for quote, poor conference performance, close quote. But I don't think that's really a fair uh, a fair deal being given to the WCHA.
0: Yeah, I think the WCHA, and we've mentioned this before on the podcast, is starting to shed its label as the smaller conference out west that they certainly don't have the firepower of the NCHC or the Big Ten, but they're they're forced to be reckoned with. They, they look like a very strong conference this year and on par with some of the ones we consider the big ones.
1: I think it's a better conference right now than Hockey East. And uh, being a Hockey East guy myself, I really didn't think I'd end up saying that at any point. But really, I mean, top to bottom, I think that I mean, at least at the the top tier teams, I really do think that uh, the top WCHA teams are better than the top Hockey East teams right now.
0: And speaking of that, Providence had a had a rough weekend in Hockey East play. They they took one point out of a possible four in Vermont against a team that, when you're talking about teams you should beat when you're in Hockey East right now, those teams at the top of Hockey East need to get those extra points and you need to get them against teams like Vermont. That's a tough weekend for Providence.
1: I mean, it's kind of a surprising thing that uh, Vermont is doing this poorly because uh, last year they were a 20-win team and they barely, I mean, by the slimmest of margins, barely missed out on the NCAA tournament. Like, They were a very good team last year. So the fact that they have struggled so much this season has been really quite shocking. And I've had my questions about Providence all year because I think they're a very top-heavy team. Beyond Foley and Pino and really Jorquist. I don't see the depth needed to pull out the, the big victories, especially if Hayden Hockey isn't quite on his game. And really, the Friday night game is the one I'm circling for uh, uh, for being the most concerning because Hayden Hockey gave up two goals on 21 shots. Vermont's goalie, Stefanos Lekas, I don't know how you pronounce his name exactly, but uh, I'm going to go with Lekas, two goals allowed on 46 shots. The man made 44 saves in the game and kept his team in it and deserves all the credit in the world for having an amazing game. So really the formula for beating Providence is you make Hayden Hockey look human and you get timely shots and you screen him and then you have a hot goaltender who can stonewall the top line because if you make Providence's second or third lines have to beat you they've not proven that they can do that as of yet so there's really your concern for uh, for all this stuff
0: and they get they host Maine on Friday night and that could be a tough matchup for Providence as well
1: Oh, well, Maine has been an underrated team in the conference this year. They I, I don't envy anyone having to uh, face the black bears this season, especially with the way Jeremy Swayman has been playing in net. I that's going to be a tough matchup for Providence, especially with how they've really been struggling lately.
0: I that's the yeah that's going to be a big matchup for Providence. They're going to need those points throughout this this weekend because right now at the top of hockey east they're in third place they have 24 points northeastern's ahead of them with 25 in conference and bc leads the conference with 26 but that leaves providence within striking distance they have to stay there because if they if they fall back to the pack a little bit bu and maine are right on their heels with 22 and 21 points respectively
1: Yeah, it's very tightly bunched. I mean, there's no outstandingly amazing teams in terms of overall record, but there's no until you get to the bottom. I mean, even Merrimack has 12 points in conference, and they've proven to be a surprising unit. UMass and UNH, kind of the same deal. So even the teams further down, I mean, we poop poo hockey east a little bit, probably a little bit unfairly. I still think it's not quite been... As strong a year as everyone would have liked in this conference, but there is some real talent from top to bottom in Hockey East. So uh, you can't assume any any points, especially with I think BU, though they'll be without Jordan Greenway for a while, who's going to be at the Olympics. They're really going to provide a tough challenge. And I think they'll they'll storm and uh, make things tough as David Quinn always does for his opposition.
0: Yeah, I think BU's really finding their stride. And to your point about Hockey East, there's a reason I've been calling it a weird conference rather than having a down year, because while the top of the conference isn't as highly ranked as they normally are, usually there are a few Hockey East teams in the top 10 on, on a regular basis, and this year not so much. So the top of the conference doesn't look like we're used to but it's a very deep conference. You get to the middle and you've got a team like BU that's currently in fourth place in the conference, but look at how loaded their lineup is. And now they're starting to click and Maine's starting to come around. And then you get toward the bottom and even New Hampshire, who has fallen on hard times. They were really tough early on in the season. There's plenty of talent there. They're just, they've been up and down. So this is a, it's, it's an interesting conference. It's a deep conference. It's not as top heavy as we're used to. And I think we're going to have to get used to this because the way the teams in Hockey East are recruiting, the talent is more spread out than it was, say, 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, it's not as, it's not as loaded, uh, at least in recent years. I mean, you get some exceptions in some individual units, like, northeastern's top line but in part i don't think you can really pin that on uh, on recruiting on its own i think you can pin that on coach madigan developing and i i think that uh hockey east is going to have to get away from at least BU is going to have to get away from trying to out recruit everyone and they're going to have to get some of these guys to stay for a couple extra years and clayton keller was only here for one year Jack Eichel was only here for one year. If they really want to uh, compete for national championships, which they do, I mean, that's why they play. Having gone there, they having talked to Coach Quinn, they play to win national championships. And uh, I think they're going to have to make sure that they can keep many more of these guys than they've been able to in recent years. Just... They they need to be able to keep more of these guys for development purposes. Look over at Northeastern, and pretty much that is exactly the model that I think all hockey schools should be moving towards.
0: Yeah, they get plenty of pro prospects at Northeastern, but they stick around for a while. They had, to your point about all the BU players that left after one year, Kevin Wass stayed throughout his eligibility and could have easily left at various points when he was – Playing Dylan Secura is going to go through it. Adam Gaudette's a junior, so they have they have some pro caliber, like or on their way to the pro caliber players. But they're not leaving early. They have they have just the right mix of consistency and power from these top players that they can keep them around.
1: Yeah, I mean this is part of the reason why you watch college hockey is to watch the guys develop. But, you know, they have to actually stay in order to really develop. I mean, goaltenders will uniformly stay because one, there just aren't that many pro goaltender jobs available. But two, there's a big jump between the quality of goaltending in college and the quality of goaltending. in pros. Not to say that college goaltending is bad in any possible way because it really is quite good. But, you know, it is a. It might be positionally the biggest jump uh, out of all the positions in hockey. So, but the forward lines have developed. At least at BU and at BC as well have developed a reputation for same for two maybe three years and then making the jump to go on to the pros. Some of them have been ready. I mean, Jack Eichel was ready to make the jump. Charlie McEvoy was clearly ready to make the jump, but. Uh, you need some people to stay around and be, like, at Norm Basin at UMass Lowell or Jim Madigan at Northeastern. You know, just make the transition to uh, being program developers, if that makes sense.
0: It it does, and and that's a big thing about college sports in general. You need players to not just buy into playing for a coach or playing for a team, but playing for a program. And especially at a school like BU, where they have all that history that whether you pay attention to it or not, it's going to hit you as a player. And it's going to be presented to you in many different ways, many different times as a player. So you need to be able to deal with it in some way. Yeah. And that, that comes with being program-oriented. You know, Which a lot of these schools are, and certainly under Jack Parker, BU was the model for that.
1: Yeah, I mean there were, there were. There's one year under Eichel, well, with Eichel when uh, he was so clearly the best player in college hockey. But aside from that one year, and 2009 when they had this perfect storm of talent and perfect storm of every single piece coming together to work in a way that so few teams in the history of college hockey ever really have. The EU has not been that consistently successful. Jerry York got a lot of his players to stay for a long time at BC. And that's, I think, part of the reason why the Eagles had so much success from the late 90s until they their most recent Frozen Four in 2016 is uh, they got a lot of players to stay and i think northeastern is going to be on the way towards doing that this year the way that they've been playing
0: well i think we can get into that now i think we've run through the the rest of the country and can can get to the bean pot preview a little bit more so we are we are here it is thursday right now as we record this getting ready for for Monday night's Beanpot Final between BU and Northeastern. Chris, you were there on Monday night. Take us through these two games. Northeastern won the first one, the, the early game, 3-0 over Boston College. And I thought it was a remarkable game for Northeastern's defense because BC had possession throughout the game. It seemed like they controlled possession almost any minute of the game where Northeastern wasn't currently on the power play. And the the Huskies defense stayed back. They allowed a lot of shots on Caden Primo, but not a lot of second chance opportunities. They were well positioned.
1: Yeah, they've done a very good job throughout uh throughout this year of developing a defense that does manage to stick the big play that does manage to uh that does manage to limit the total shots. I mean, they won the they got double digit shots for their offense every single period, but the second and third, 14 for BC, 10 for Northeastern, third period, 15 for BC, and twelve for Northeastern. I mean in part, Northeastern has a goaltender that they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they can depend on. That when all else breaks down in the defense, Caden Primo is almost certainly going to make the big save. And I think that's something that's been missing from this program uh, in recent years, that they've not been able to get over the hump. Because you need a championship goaltender in order to get you to where you want to go. So this year they have that. And uh, that's the biggest stage of the defense is that, no disrespect to Ryan Rock, who had his amazing run, but Primo is... He is an outstanding netminder uh for uh for what they've been asked to ask him to do this season. And the defensive uh, core, especially with uh some personnel changes fairly recently with Garrett Cockle leaving, they looked pretty strong. And they did a, they did limit the second chance opportunities. And B C looks pretty good for uh good stretches of it. But simply put, Primo is the best player on the ice. And that's the reason why they ended up winning that hockey game.
0: And and they were good at getting opportunities for the line that needed them most because they got that first line out in front, and all three goals came from it. So they they did a good job with that, and they did a good job of taking advantage of power play opportunities. The game seemed to turn when BC would would end up in the penalty box which they did a few times throughout the night. And that's where Northeastern started to show their, their offensive prowess a bit and get some goals. And they only ended up getting three, but it was enough with the way they were playing defense and the way Caden Primo was goaltending. So I, I, having watched the game, I would say it was a remarkable job for the defense. And as a fan, I, I, couldn't quite believe what I was seeing because what it signified to me is BC played a great game. They played an extremely hungry game and BC also looked like they were the lesser of the two teams. They played, ex- they played very hard, but Northeastern when they had their opportunities, they clutched them. They did, they did a great job of, taking advantage of them and just look like the better team at the end of the game. And that's, that's kind of a new feeling for Northeastern fans. They've won plenty of beanpot games, but they're usually upsets in that first round. And then they go into the, they go into the final as underdogs and that kind of underlined that this is not the same. This is a different year. It's a brand new experience for the Huskies.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were the better team. Total package, they were the better team for this game. I mean, I think they've been the better team. I think they've really been the best team in Hockey East all season. I said this on uh, last week's preview podcast, but I'll say this one again. Northeastern should not just be competing for a Beanpot title. They should be competing for a national championship this year. Really, with how good and how talented Sikora, Godette, and Stevens are and how much Primo has developed in that. This Husky team should be. I'm not going to pencil that in or uh, say that they should win a national championship, but they should be competing for a national championship, which is remarkable progression from where they were really earlier on in this decade uh, with how much the program has struggled fairly recently. So uh, you're right in your assessment. Total package, they were the better team. They only got one power play goal, but one's more than zero, which is what BC got for the entire game, and that's gonna. that was enough to push Northeastern to the championship game on, on Monday.
0: And to your point about Northeastern playing for a national championship, I couldn't agree more. And the thing that gets me, and I've said this before about Jim Madigan and how he runs this program, I heard a radio interview with him very early on in his tenure at Northeastern where he was being asked about when are you going to win the Beanpot? And he kind of deflected. and He went something along the lines of, I'm more interested in the Frozen Four. And this team can get to the Frozen Four. This team can get to the biggest of big stages. This is a team that I envision playing for a national championship someday. And that, yeah. that's the tone, frankly, turning it back to the Beanpot, I have believed for a long time that Northeastern cannot win that tournament until they start looking at the Frozen Four, until they start thinking beyond it, because every year that I've watched this tournament, the team that wins this tournament is looking at the national championship, and they come out of the tournament as a national championship contender simply by getting that crown. Harvard last year... That kind of confirmed how good they were that they won that tournament, and we looked at them as a team that could go deep in the n c a a s and sure enough, they made the frozen four. Jerry York has taken to calling this the beginning of trophy season it It's a part of a bigger picture, and that's part of why b c wins that tournament so much and b u focuses on the national championship and in doing so wins a lot of bean pots, and that's where Northeastern had to get to if the Huskies are going to win this tournament. And Jim Madigan seems to be the first person in a long time that's come to Northeastern's campus that realizes that.
1: Oh yeah. And a brief recount on the teams that have won the bean pot, like just the last three years, uh, 2017 Harvard won the bean pot championship. Their first since 1994 and their first, in their first uh they followed that up with going to their first frozen four since the same year in 1980, or their first bean pot rather since 1993 and their first ever um their first frozen four trip since 1994 and they were inches i mean mere centimeters away from playing for the national championship last year that's how good they were last year bc in 2016, went to the Frozen Four and beat BU in a 1-0 overtime victory in the Pink pot title game, and it's still one of the more painful memories, but of mine from college. But uh, that was that was one of the crazier performances, and that was a team that was contending for a national championship. And 2015, behind Eichel and Grizzlick BU won two overtime games over Harvard and Northeastern and was in the Frozen Four that year. So your analysis of this is the start of championship season, yeah, this is why people watch. Like this is exactly the reason why people watch this tournament because one of these teams is going to be competing for a national championship almost annually. It's been like that for a long time now.
0: And I think that's a good segue into, um, I was made aware of this earlier today, and I sent it to you. It's. I I will put the link for all our listeners on our Blog Talk radio page. It comes from the Daily Free Press, which is BU's student-run newspaper and it's titled burn the boats why BU must win the bean pot. And I saw that headline and I was expecting some good clean fun. Some BU fan acting like a BU fan and titles are their birthright and all that kind of stuff. And what I got was was not that. Um the the conceit of the article seems to be that all right, well, this is the third paragraph. If the Huskies were to win, yes, it would be an excellent short-term story. Everyone outside of Boston would love that result, but it would absolutely kill the tournament in the long run. And he goes on to kind of imply that the reason people watch this tournament is to see how Northeastern is going to fail to win the tournament this year. And I have a few corrections on that, but first and foremost, that's not why people watch the Beanpot. That's why Northeastern fans watch the Beanpot. (laughs)
1: I've read through it. You made me aware of this article right before. And I I have to say, first and foremost, I know the guy who wrote it. I really like the guy who wrote it. I think normally he does some really good stuff. But I have to laugh at this one because uh, did Red Sox fans stop caring about the Red Sox after they won in 2004? Did uh, Major League Baseball dramatically change after the Cubs won the World Series? No, in fact, their World Series this past year with the Astros and Dodgers may have may have been even better than uh, the prior year when the Cubs pulled out their victory. So, uh, yeah, uh, the idea of this article is fundamentally wrong, just in that notion. And I have to – even though I do want BU to win as a BU guy – I have to disclaim that I think that uh, the author of this is completely wrong in his premise.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was going with this. Not so much that it said BU has to win the beanpot because it's a BU student paper. Of course, they're going to say something like that. That's part of the fun of getting to write for a student paper about college hockey. But the idea that people watch the bean pot to see this championship drought continue is absurd. People watch the bean pot because what we were just talking about, if even if you don't have a horse in the race, so to speak, the winner of this tournament is going to end up in the national picture some way or somehow they always do. So if you're a college hockey fan this is a big tournament to watch beyond which it has the kind of tradition that college sports is known for. And it's one of college hockey's best examples of that kind of tradition.
1: Oh yeah. And we're not even getting into the quality of hockey itself, which we talked about the uh, the Northeastern DC game. We haven't even scratched the surface of how good the next game between DU and Harvard was. That's the reason why uh, people really watch it, because the hockey on offer, simply put, is amazing. Also, I have to say, it is incredibly mean-spirited uh, to uh, to say that people watch it just to see how, uh, how this team is going to bungle it up. It strikes to me of some form of uh, kind of unreasonably... Uh, you know, there's a certain amount of... You want BU to win if you're a BU guy and you want to see Northeastern win because you think your program is inherently better. It's the same thing for being a Patriots fan of this generation, the same thing for being a fan of whatever team you're a part of. And I understand that. But there's a fine line between that and being kind of mean-spirited. And you don't want to uh, just say, I want Northeastern to lose until the end of time just because you want Northeastern to lose and you want that drought to continue. There's a certain amount of mean spiritedness that I just can't get down with here. It,
0: in a way I I can almost understand it because I I'm the guy who constantly compares rooting for Northeastern to win the bean pot to Charlie Brown attempting to kick a football because the the gag follows the same beats. It doesn't work if you don't talk yourself into this being the year. But yeah. And and there's plenty of jokes to be had there. I I, I just kind of wanted to to poke fun at that, but but yeah, you know, it, it's it, it comes from it, it comes from a student newspaper with a sterling reputation. So I, I I'm not yeah I'm I'm not trying to get too mean spirited myself here by just picking on some college kids article here. It's a mm-hmm. it. it it's it's a student paper. You're allowed to kind of yeah. take that swing. I'm sure ple- people at Northeastern are saying far, far worse. And when the doghouse shows up on Monday, they'll be chanting and singing it. So Oh, absolutely.
1: And, and they should be. They absolutely should be. I mean, Monday night at the Garden is going to be must-watch television because of just the, the historical tradition. And also, these teams just the teams and the uh players who will be taking the ice they don't like each other like, they've got a reputation of playing hard-nosed physical beat-em-up style hockey games that should make it incredibly entertaining and uh I'll just throw one uh piece of criticism at uh at the you guy and again I know the guy and I generally like him I just think that he's off on his uh on his premise here just uh you know you don't watch sports just to watch the other guy fail. You watch sports to watch your guy win. And if it happens to be at the expense of the other team, well, I, I, I don't have any control over over uh, what you guys do. You know, I only have control over what we do, and what we do is be amazing. That's really, I think, the way that you should go about it if you're trying to be sporting with us.
0: Uh, well, so and we'll get into the the northeastern bu rivalry in a bit but you did point out that we still haven't really gotten to the other game and the other game although although i argued last week that what was the five o'clock game should have really been the headliner since both teams were ranked the eight o'clock game lived up to its billing and went deep into the night it's part of the great – we've talked about all the great things about the bean pot, but here's one of the best. It's playoff hockey the way we know and love playoff hockey. There is no gimmick in overtime. It is just yeah. we're going to keep playing hockey until there's someone who has won the game. And that can lead to a long night. Chris, you were there. How long was the night? I didn't
1: get home until 2.30 in the morning, and that is in part. Because I had to stay for press conferences and uh, I had to stay for uh, a little bit longer, but the the game itself didn't get done until about twelve twelve thirty in the morning. So uh, it was one of those it was one of those wild and crazy hockey games that you almost don't want to see end because it, it's one of those it really is one of those special kind of uh, kind of battles that you just want to see these teams match up and go at it until the end of the night. It's it, it 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 was an amazing hockey game. And BU came out with the victory and they really shouldn't have considering how badly outplayed they were in the second period. Because they outshot Harvard thirteen to twelve in the first period. Harvard totally and completely dominated the second period, outshooting BU twenty to four. Didn't exaggerate there. 20-4 to were the shots in the second period. And Jake Ottinger, to his credit, stood on his head and made 19 of those 20 saves in that period. And BU came out firing. Brandon Hickey got him a goal 32 seconds into the third period. Harvard scored almost just a minute and 32 later. And you could tell at that point it was going to be a lockdown kind of game the rest of the way and the story of the first overtime, Merrick Madsen and Jake Ottinger made magnificent save after magnificent save. It was one of the best goalie duels I think I've seen in a long time. So, outstanding play. And then very early in the second overtime, Ty Amosie sent everybody home and uh, sent the BU side of the, uh, the crowd happy. So, it was a remarkable hockey game. And one that I actually heard media people after the game saying, you know, this really this tournament this was a long night. This tournament really should be overtime and uh a five minute overtime in a shootout because it's just some regular season tournament. At which point I'm going, You're not from here, are you? You didn't see what we just enjoyed with that kind of tournament. So uh this is one of those special traditions that should be like this and it's like this almost every single year
0: yeah it seems the double overtime has just become commonplace in the bean pot it's these thrilling games that go deep into the night that's just kind of part of what goes on at that event i I remember one of the Bean Pots I was fortunate enough to cover in 2005. The early game went to double overtime, and by the end of it, the BU and BC fans were getting impatient because they were getting really tired of waiting on Northeastern and Harvard to close up.
1: Uh, sorry about uh, sorry about being impatient, by the way, but you guys were taking a long time in that game. I mean, we did the same thing. My junior year, Harvard and BU took it to double to double overtime. and BU came out with the victory. So I know exactly what that feeling's about. But there was the reaction from the Northeastern and BC fans was everybody got into it because the quality of hockey on offer was simply incredible. So I think that most people do generally accept that it's a long night. Uh, but it's worth it for just how good this is. I was just shocked that hockey media people who I know just thought and actually said verbatim, it's just some regular season tournaments, so just five minutes and a shootout, at which point I'm going, really don't know what you just saw or what kind of tournament this is, do you? Just, no, that's not how this works. And this matters a lot more than a lot of regular season tournaments as you deem them.
0: Yeah, I I would – now, I'm, of course, I'm biased on this, but I would venture to say this is the biggest regular season tournament of them all. And I don't think it's all that close in particular with all due respect to the Great Lakes Invitational.
1: I'll agree with that. I mean – this has a reputation, and this has history that I don't think any other tournament can match. So you play overtime here, and you should play overtime. I mean, I wish we would play overtime during the regular season. I know we're not going to, but really, playoff hockey with overtime is the is actually the best sport in the world because any one individual play can end it. And you never know which play is gonna be the one that does it for you. And any individual player, superstar or otherwise, it can be the difference between winning a game and losing a game. And it's sudden death and you don't know when it's happening. So it's the best sport in the world when it gets going and when it gets into that kind of
0: time at night. And that reminds me, welcome everybody to playoff hockey. If you're a college hockey fan and you also happen to like the NHL, you get five months of playoff hockey. And it starts with the beanpot. There's a not that long of a rest between the beanpot and the end of the regular season where the last weekend often matters for a lot of regular season championships and pairwise seating. Then you have the postseason tournaments that of course use the real overtime. And then there's the NCAA tournament quickly followed by the NHL playoffs. So welcome to playoff hockey. We're here till June.
1: This is gonna be fun. I mean, every year this is this is an incredible time and I hope that uh I hope the NCAAs give us plenty of this kind of stuff. I honestly hope the Beanpot Championship gives us this kind of stuff on Monday because this should, be, this should be one of the great matchups we've had in recent memory between two teams that don't like each other. This should, be, this should be a memorable one.
0: Yeah, let's get into these two teams not liking each other because they've played twice so far this year, and the matchups were brutal. There were many penalties taken. There were some cheap shots taken. It got very ugly in that in a home-and-home home series that took place across two weekends between Northeastern and BU.
1: Yeah, and it must be noted that BU won both. Uh, sorry, I'm used to saying other years. BU lost both games to Northeastern. And they were fairly decisive. A four to one victory for Northeastern at the Gannis Arena and a six to one victory uh at Matthews Arena when they pumped up the crowd and they made sure that everybody was in the building and ready to go for that game because that was the that was the premier game of the regular season for uh for Northeastern. And uh it was actually that game at Aganas Arena that forced Caden Primo into the starting lineup because Ryan Ruck at the time was the starter. Primo had been getting some time in net, but it was really still Ruck's job. And uh well, Patrick Harper drove to the net and tried to uh tried to shoot on him on uh, on Ruck and couldn't get and couldn't thread it through. And the play was blown dead, and he hit Ruck in the head on the, after the whistle was blown, and Ruck got a concussion as a result. And Primo went in for him, and Primo has been the starter for Northeastern ever since. So Northeastern, so Primo can thank uh, Patrick Harper and the BU Terriers for uh, for that job going their way. But yeah, these. Uh, and by the way, the only goal scorer in that first game for BU, Jordan Greenway is not going to be uh, on this continent. In fact, uh, yesterday, he and Team USA flew out to Korea to, to take part in the Olympics.
0: Because of the time difference, it won't be too long before he's taking part in the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympic Games. So, And, and further congratulations to... Jordan Greenway as well as Ryan Donato as part of the four player contingent. College hockey ascending to Team USA.
1: Yeah, Will Borgan and uh, Troy Terry, the other guys Borgen from St. Cloud and Terry from Denver. Excellent John. Good luck to all of them out there. But uh, also that second game at uh at Matthews Arena, there were a ton of penalties. B uh Northeastern got three of their six goals on the power play, and there were misconducts against uh, against BU in, in both games, Brandon Hickey in the first game and uh, and Patrick Curry in the second game. So these games get physical, and it's been like that for a couple of years now. It was a lot like that last year in uh, in the playoff series that they had for the Hockey East playoffs. Coach Madigan does not – I think BU is the program he has it out for the most. Uh, Between BU, BC, and BC, it really is BU that he has it out for the most, and I can't really say I blame him all that much.
0: I – like I've said before, I think – it depends on when you went to Northeastern, who you see as the chief rival. But for the most part, it's going to be BU because they have the longer tail of history. and they were always the team that the that a school like Northeastern is chasing so. So I, it makes perfect sense to me that Jim Madigan would put a target on BU and that a lot of other that that's kind of where Northeastern's at in terms of that rivalry. Now, more recent students I think would say BC because there has been some really bad blood between Northeastern and BC in the last 10 years. A lot of big matchups that have gone mostly the Eagles way and then a few players that almost went to Northeastern and then went to BC. And that did not go over well with the Northeastern fan base. So I, I think more recent students put the target on BC, but I think everybody else some um, puts it on BU for Northeastern.
1: Mm-hmm. I believe that. And this is the matchup that we should be getting for the championship game. These are the two best teams in the tournament. These are the teams that will make for the best game. These are the teams that uh, should be – should be matching up on Monday night for the Beanpot title. So I I think we can be incredibly excited for uh uh for some outstanding hockey that we're going to see on Monday night.
0: Now thinking as a fan I I know for BU there is no question of rivalries. Their rival is of course BC. But I've, I've heard mixed – I've heard some varying things from, from BU fans about Northeastern and those two schools' kind of rivalry between each other. And you've followed BU for a very long time, so I figure you might have some thoughts about where, where Northeastern sits with, alongside BU in rivalry terms.
1: Uh, BC is the bigger rival. They have always have been. They always will be. And the UBC rivalry is quite possibly the best rivalry in all of college hockey. Uh, so B.C., for me personally, will always be the team that I dislike more. I have a soft spot for Northeastern because they do remind me of those days when uh, uh, being a Red Sox fan, growing up in Connecticut, and uh, – <laughs> Being, uh, and, you know, being a good team and having some real talent, but having one thing or another go wrong and uh, not working out well. So me personally, I don't really have it out for Northeastern, but uh, I haven't been following it for quite as long as people like my dad have. Uh, for the last two years, the last two or three years, we're not big fans of Northeastern because the games have been Brutal wars. I mean, they have been ugly, beat up style, you know, exactly the kind of hockey that you would want to watch. So it is exactly the uh, – BC is always going to be the number one rival. But trust me, collectively, we want to beat Northeastern. I mean, we want to beat Northeastern, but I fear the Huskies this year in a way that I – really never have in my time following college hockey. I've I've feared DC at different points. I've feared Harvard at different points. I've never feared Northeastern the way I do right now and I think pretty much the entire BU fan base can say that who's been following it for
0: a while. I I would go as far as to say that Northeastern has never been feared like they are now. That this is Again, this is a new place for this program. They've won they won four bean pots in the 1980s and had some very good teams like Jim Madigan's 1982 team that went to the Frozen Four. And in 1988 they won hockey east for the first time. But I don't think they've ever come into the final of the bean pot as the favorite to win the game. And I think this year, with everything that's gone by, you would have to say for every reason besides their Northeastern and this is the Beanpot final. And that's like, again, it's like favoring Charlie Brown by, three, by a goal to beat the football and to kick it. Um, for, re- for every other reason, Northeastern should be favored in this game. This is a game that BU is a tough team. They are loaded with talent. But the way they've played this year in Northeastern should win this game, and that is territory – that has to be the first time that that's been said about a Beanpot final.
1: It's the first time in my memory because the Northeastern played in 2015 for the Beanpot final, but that was a year when Jack Eichel was so clearly and such, by such a wide margin the best player in all of college hockey. And the rest of the team around him was a, a phenomenal unit. I really do think that 2015 BU team is going to go down as one in, in the record books as one of the absolute best college hockey teams to not win a national championship. Just they did everything except win the final game. So that year, BU absolutely was the favorite in the Beanpot final. This, you're right in your analysis. Northeastern is the better hockey team. They have the best scoring line in the entire nation. They have a quality young goaltend, and they should be the favorite to win this championship. And as a BU fan, I completely and totally fear Northeastern. I never have, in a lot of my... Friends with whom I went to school and went uh, went with WTBU. I mean, they were in the same position as me. We just kind of viewed Northeastern as a team on the schedule instead of a team to really be feared. This is this year, not that case. We fear you guys. You're better than us this year. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope that we can come out with the big tournament victory as we've proven to do so. But really, this is the Huskies' year to win it. I
0: think it's on my end there is a sense of if not now when there there's kind of what else is it going to take if this isn't the year for northeastern to win this tournament what kind of team could they possibly have to bring that could do it they've had you know an increasing level of talent on their team for a number of years certainly nobody that played at northeastern when i was at northeastern as a student could have hung with guys like Kevin Waugh and Josh Manson, then later Zach Aston Reese, who just got called up by the Penguins and competed for the Hobie last year. And now they have Gaudette and Sakura who are playing so well this year. Both of them played very well last year, of course, as well. This is just a caliber of player Northeastern's really not used to. If you go to before the Madigan era, They're really, there are only a handful of Northeastern players who ever looked like they would succeed in the pros, and a couple of them did for significant amounts of time, but only a couple. And now you look at the players coming out of Northeastern and they're making splashes in the NHL already, or they look like players that in a couple of years with a little bit of seasoning can compete on the highest level. If they, if a team like this isn't enough to do it. I don't know what is going to be the kind of team Northeastern needs to win the bean pot and to take that next step and to compete for national championship type trophies and type awards. It's, I, I don't know how else to put it. And, you know, for a fan, that puts me in a nervous position. For someone who's followed Northeastern hockey for a long time, though, I can't help but be excited because this is new territory. This is a place that program has never been. For, you know, it has a lot of fans. We are a loud fan base, I would say, especially in proportion to how much success Northeastern has or has not had. That they, you know, the doghouse is not, you know, the kind of thing you would expect from a school that has two, you know, two trophies in the conference they're in. And that's just about all they've had in 30 years. And here they are with a chance to actually win the bean pot, and a game where you come in thinking, well, they should win this game. They're the better team, even though the team across from them is BU. So you know, I'm I'm kind of rambling a bit, but a, as a fan, this is I've been holding back for a while. But you know, like I said, it wouldn't be the Charlie Brown and the football gag if I didn't if we didn't all believe that this is going to be it, and that that's yeah. a critical part of Northeastern's journey through any bean pot is everyone has to be talked into it first.
1: There's very good reason to be talked into this year's this year's title. I mean. There's very good reason to be talked into uh, believing this year should be the year. and I want BU to win. I want the Terriers to win. I want them to uh, go and compete for a national championship, but I don't think BU is the better hockey team between the two of them. Uh, I really do think, and I've said this for since I thought at the start of the season that BU would be one of the best teams in the nation, that they would be easy pick for contending for national championship with their early struggles and the way that Northeastern played so well early I absolutely believe that they are the better team between uh between the two of them so and I understand the sentence the sentiment of uh if not now when I totally understand it and it should be noted also that in the contingency plans that I'm sure you've thought through Even if Northeastern doesn't pull out this individual victory, there's still a lot of the season left to go. There's still the conference tournament, and Northeastern could still make it to the NCAA tournament, and I think still make some noise in it. So I would advise against being totally defeatist if, uh, if things don't go well in this particular game. But, man, this should be a great hockey game.
0: Yeah, it really should be, and it, it it combines a lot. I think these teams do a good job of kind of representing what their program or how their program is kind of perceived because it goes all the way down from BU's incredible recruits to Northeastern being this team on the rise that it, it makes for a great meeting. It makes for a great whole bunch of storylines, as you've mentioned these teams do not like each other the student sections have been known to get into it they do it every bean pot it's probably the american sporting event that sounds closest to the way they watch sports in other countries because there are a fair amount of chanting and songs that go back and forth during the bean pot final between fan bases that that really want a shot at each other, and all four of them can say, you know, whether whether they're primary rivals or not, these four fan bases have history, and they will always have that history behind them.
1: Oh yeah, this is part of the draw of this tournament. This is part of the reason why it should be overtime until we all drop or until we uh, have a winner. And this is why I mean, this is why you watch college hockey these kinds of moments, these kinds of traditions. So uh, for all who will be watching, get excited. For me, who's going to be on press row, well, I'm going to be at both the uh, consolation game, the first game between uh, Harvard and BC, which I'm also very intrigued about just to see how that matchup plays itself out and to see how these teams compete.
0: BC and for needs that game. Oh, yeah. I'll say that oh, you know, BC do. so badly needs an out-of-conference win. I know that counting last Monday as an out-of-conference win, that's how it counts in the standings, but it doesn't quite feel like an out-of-conference game when it's two hockey East teams. But BC needs an out-of-conference win, and this is really one of their last chances. They have to get it against Harvard. I
1: think it's the last chance, just off of schedule, because... They've got – because the Eagles have this game. Uh, Well, they've got – they've got their Friday game uh, against UMass Lowell, which, of course, is a hockey-east game. Then they've got Monday at 4.30 against Harvard. And then after that, they've got – I think they've got all hockey-east games the rest of the way. So not only is it one of their last chances, they've got UMass and Hurst in Amherst on Thursday a game which I'll be at and then they've got Maine for two for three games to wrap up the season. So in fact this is their last chance to get a uh, to get an out of conference victory.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be critical in um in BC's hopes to possibly make the NCAA tournament because you talk about they're almost the definition of a bubble team right now. And I think without an out-of-conference win, you'd have to say they need to win Hockey East. They need to win that tournament to make the NCAAs.
1: Yeah, that's the only way that they're getting in right now. I mean, Providence and Northeastern are the teams that uh, are going to the NCAA tournament right now. BU is 18th in the rankings. So, I mean, just for standings purposes. I mean, they these teams also really do for their own... Uh, standing within their conference, they need to win their Friday games, which we note here that these are the weirdest of the games. Harvard is going to be in Union, and for their standing in the ECAC, they need to go on the road and they need to beat the Dutchman in Schenectady. BC is hosting UMass Lowell, Northeastern is hosting UConn, and B U is hosting UMass. And for all of their sakes and all their standings, all those games are really important. I mean, we're we're talking about the Beanpot right now, but for these teams long term, they've got to look at those Friday games as being almost just as important as playing in the Garden on Monday.
0: Well, and it, since I talked about Northeastern's history earlier, I should point out that it's it's going to be important soon. They have a shot at the Hockey East regular season championship. They've won the tournament twice in that conference. They've never won the regular season championship since they've become a member of Hockey East. And of course they were one of the founding members. So that would be monumental step for that program as well. And they need to take care of business against a Connecticut team that we mentioned how deep this conference is. Anyone in Hockey East can give you fits on the wrong night. So if if they lose their focus or if BC loses their focus against UMass Lowell, Who's been an up and down team this year, or if BU loses their focus against UMass Amherst, there could be trouble. Those they need every point. You're absolutely right about that. And it's it's tight toward the top of Hockey East, especially in the three, four, five spots where BU inhabits and where Providence is as well. With a with a Providence loss, BU could get right up with them in the hockey standings and start working for making sure they have the the best positioning possible for the hockey east tournament.
1: I mean in part, BU would get to avoid a, a matchup with Maine because that's who they would play if the standings were to hold firm, they'd be the 4 seed, Maine be the 5 seed, and BU would host the Black Bears and for for their standpoint, they don't want to play Maine anymore. So that's important uh all these games matter i mean the pot matters for winning trophy and for momentum and legacy purposes but really for standings friday night is quite an important night for everybody moving forward i'm going to be at matthews arena for the huskies uh, <laughs> battle between yukon and northeastern which is going to be an interesting story to write but uh that's there's a lot of exciting hockey to play. I mean, and Harvard as well. They've got quite an interesting position in the ECAC. They're still sitting at fourth place and they're one point behind Union whom they're playing. But Harvard's got some real questions to answer with how they can generate offense with Ryan Donato being away and being in the Olympics. But this is really when college hockey begins to get Crazy exciting, I think.
0: And you mentioned all four teams having a Friday game. Harvard's the only one that has to travel for that Friday game. The other three Beanpot schools are at home on Friday night.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's the way the scheduling works out. Harvard hosted Union earlier on in the season. And, uh, well, I'm trying to note to see how things went for them, but uh, Harvard has been an up-and-down school. Throughout the entire year, it's been kind of amazing to see just how much they've uh, been all over the place. They they did end up winning their last matchup against the Dutchmen. Uh, they won four to three in overtime at home. Ryan Donato got one of the goals. It was a power play goal, but he only got the one point. Everybody else for the Dutchmen, uh, for the for the Crimson, rather stepped up and. Played well, so uh, for Harvard, better hope that uh, all their guys show up and play big time against the Dutchman.
0: And they're facing a tough stretch as well without Ryan Donato. We've been we've been at this for a little bit. I think it's getting close to time to wrap up. But while we're still on the subject of the Bean Pot, Chris, do you have a good Bean Pot story to share with us?
1: Uh, it'll be posted tomorrow. I'm well. It, it'll be posted tomorrow night after I see Northeastern's uh, game against uh, UConn. I want to see how these teams perform on Friday night. Then my story is going to go up with uh, proper editing. So it'll be on Inside Hockey uh, late Friday night, early Saturday morning is when uh, I'll have a bean, bean Pot preview for all to see.
0: Excellent. And I, I think I can go out on on this note because it's it's the um it's the bean pot tale that I like the most. It's not I didn't actually experience this. This comes second hand from somebody I knew at WRBB Radio, Northeastern Student Radio, back when i I did those um I did games for them that. Before the bean pot for for a long time, Northeastern had this tradition of running out of the locker room, not yet dressed, like, not yet with their skates on or anything, and just run around the arena screaming at the top of their lungs, just, you know, making, just getting ready with, like, a battle cry sort of thing. So they take off, and they're running through the halls of the TD Garden, just yelling, ah! and suddenly this deep gruff um scratchy voice joins in and everyone kind of turns around and sees who's trying to join them on their run and it's jack parker who <laughs> saw them run by and thought this is awesome i want in and just kind of started running with them and and doing the whole thing with them and um b would go on to win uh, of course in in that game so so that that's the sad end of it, but it, I I do I always like that story, and um, even though I wasn't there to see it myself, I I've always liked that one. It's it's the best Beanpot story I know.
1: This tournament has so many of those kinds of things, and I hope that Monday uh, provides us with another story to throw into these these teams' long and storied rivalry and reputation.
0: And we'll be back on Tuesday with a uh, kind of a recap of the final and how it went and how everything um, shapes out and what it means for the national picture. So that's come. Look for that on Tuesday from from us here at Puck University. And by the way, go Northeastern! Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please, you know. Follow us, please. Follow me on Twitter at Tim Wright Sports. Chris, where can they find you on social media?
1: You can find me on Twitter at CC Lynch Wall. You can find me on Instagram at uh, at CC Lynch sixteen. Oh, and uh, go be you.
0: And ladies and gentlemen enjoy your weekend of hockey i'm your host tim williams this has been puck university we'll be back after the pot on tuesday morning and until then keep your head up and your hits clean